Welcome to the Life as a Coder podcast series, brought to you by Ozark Institute, an initiative of OncoSpark, a technology-enabled revenue cycle management company, discussing your life as a medical coder, offering tips and advice for coding students and professionals. Join us every Wednesday. Hello and welcome to the Life as a Coder podcast. My name is Jennifer McNamara, and I'm your host today. Our goal, as always, is to bring you timely industry topics in the field of health information management, as well as tips for work-life balance. If you're a first-time listener, we thank you for listening today. If you like what you hear, please hit the subscribe button or follow us wherever you get your podcasts. I want to thank our sponsors, Ozark Institute. Ozark Institute is an initiative of OncoSpark, a technology-enabled revenue cycle management company. Today we are here with episode five. I am so excited to have another special guest today. Today our topic is navigating the wonderful world of workers' compensation, TRICARE, and auto insurance billing. You might be wondering, why did I group all of these together? They're so random, right? Well, believe it or not, in the billing world, uh, when you're in an office and you're taking insurance coverage, you have these off-the-wall situations that happen. You know, there's a lot of intricate things Outside of your commercial carriers and, you know, Medicare, Medicaid, you have a lot of intricate things, a lot of guidelines, a lot of uh, referrals and authorizations that take place. You really have to know all the pieces and understand how these things come together. We have our expert today. I brought in uh, Jessica Burke. Uh, Jessica is a coder and a biller uh, and helps uh, navigate all of these items for a orthopedic practice in Auburn, Washington. So, We've known each other for quite some time, and I really, really love all the things I've learned from her. When I'm having issues getting claims paid, I always reach out to her, and she has some great, great tips and great um, advice to offer based on the guidelines and things that have worked well in her practice. So we've invited her here today to talk about those things. So stay tuned for our interview with Jessica Burke. I want to thank our sponsors over at OncoSpark for designing a platform that streamlines and standardizes the authorization process. As we know, the barriers for practices and patients due to prior authorizations are a clinical and a clerical issue. This new tool, AuthParency, optimizes staff and resources while decreasing the time that a patient must wait. This platform will seamlessly integrate with your practice management system and your electronic health record, alerting you to expiring authorizations or order changes. Authparency's reports can also be used for internal development as well as payer and pharma accountability. Direct insurance verification and specialty pharmacy hub enrollment are standard modules in the platform too. So jump on over to OncoSpark.com. That's www.oncospark.com and look at their technology solutions. We're also going to put the information in our show notes. Schedule your demo for AuthParency today and get started with this amazing tool. So as mentioned, I have my special guest, Jessica Burke. Jessica Burke is the lead biller and coder at Cascade Orthopedics in Auburn, Washington. Welcome to the show, Jessica. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited for this. Me too. I just, you know, we've had this relationship for a while now. I think it was just, you know, something as simple as me reaching out, trying to find a speaker for our orthopedic conference back in 2021. And what a, a great time we had doing that virtually. We were able to meet a lot of great coders in the industry. 
virtually. And then, of course, we had you come back and, and speak with our general surgery conference. And I'm just so excited. I finally got to meet you in the flesh in, yes. um, in Orlando this last November for Decision Health. And I think you mentioned to me that you you also applied like myself for 2022, right? Yes, indeed. Dallas, Texas. I'm excited because, you know, my yes. office, that, our new office is going to be in Dallas. So I'm going to get to be right there uh, for all of that. And, um, and of course, Jessica, as you know, has always been a great help to me um, and others in the orthopedic world with education. So we are glad that she's agreed to be one of our keynote speakers for orthopedic uh, or ortho care summit in July of this year. Um, yeah. So we hope that many that are listening, if you live in the Dallas area, our plan pending COVID conditions is to have that there in Dallas for a small group and then virtual for, for everyone else. So we hope that that continues to be a thing. And uh, Jessica is not just a coder, just like most of us are not just coders. We also are billers. So we wanted to pick her brain um, because of her extensive knowledge in billing. And we wanted to kind of talk about some areas that are kind of maybe in billing something we think we know they're they're there and we have to deal with them occasionally, but maybe we don't realize the best way to go about them. Maybe there are some tips out there that can help practices maneuver through the world of workers' comp, <laughs> um, some of our tricares and auto policies and how we understand the intricacies of, of getting paid for those types of services or those types of insurance carriers. So I have some questions before we get into that. I want to get to know you a little bit better, Jessica. So um, just so our listeners know, how long have you been in healthcare? I have been in healthcare actually since 18. So over, I just turned 45. So over 20 something years. Um, I started out as front desk um, and then just kind of moved my way up into pre-authorizations, back office, x-ray tech, um, then into the coding and billing world. And I just, the coding and billing part just really stuck with me. Um, and even though it wasn't my money, I'd like to see the money coming in and getting an insurance company when they first deny something um, to have them come back and say, oh, we were wrong. We will go ahead and pay this. That's kind of gratifying. Um, so I've kind of morphed into this hybrid coder and biller. I have my uh, CPC. I'm also certified in orthopedic surgery as well as ambulatory surgery. Um, and I've just, I've started teaching others and mentoring them how to do it. I just had a coworker who passed her CPC with just some mentorship. She didn't go to a school or anything like that. So yeah, that was kind of cool. And so I'm just enjoying helping mentor others to kind of be more of a hybrid and not just be a black and white coder or a black and white biller, but morph into both. Yes, I feel that way too. You know, I was, I come from a similar background. I was a receptionist that I moved into billing and coding. And I know that's not the direction many people go. They go right into coding. That's their focus. Um, but many of us have had the experience where we benefited from that. And even in the world of coding, you can code accurately all day long, but if we don't understand how to get paid from the insurance, then I, my personal feeling, and of course, I know I always, this is my podcast, so I'm giving my personal thoughts and here to hear yours as well. It just doesn't do us any good, does it? Like we have to know how to get paid from that insurance. Um, and in your experience, I'm going to pick on your state, the state of Washington. Yeah. I know we've had this uh, conversation before. So let's start with workers' comp. 
Yes. What are some of the billing challenges uh, that you face in your state? Because I know every state's different. So we'll have yeah. you speak from your experience when it comes to workers comp. So our biggest challenge right now with the 2021 E&M guidelines that went into effect is our state workers comp doesn't follow those. So we are constantly, when coding our chart notes, having to go back and forth between 2021 and then 9597. Um, we did just hear recently that they are going to start following a little bit more of the newer guidelines, um, which will be helpful and there won't be as much as going back and forth. Definitely knowing the ins and the outs of their policies, um, which for every state I would hope could be found online. I kind of made it a diligent effort to become a workers' comp expert. Um, I have a close working relationship with the medical director for the state of Washington. Um, so I have access to him, whereas many others in our state don't. But I've learned that if you know the guidelines and you can say, hey, this patient meets all the criteria, there's no reason why this shouldn't be paid or allowed. That really works on your side. So I rarely have to go to him to say, hey, I have a case. Um, I think I just sent him one in the last three months where a patient had an epidural steroid injection. Two weeks later, they had another one. But in the guideline, it says that's too close together. But because it was separate levels, separate side, separate technique, it's one where I can go to him and say, hey, this is a. It's one of the rules that's meant to be bent. It's just like with everything, every situation is different. And sometimes we have to veer from the straight road and take a detour and then get back on. Exactly. And that's one of the benefits of knowing you're in different insurances because they don't always follow the same uh, rules. And so if we stick just to CPT guidelines, we will realize more often than not that we're not going to get our claim paid. And even though, and of course, a previous um, episode that we had our uh, person mentioned, it's true that a payer may say they follow, for instance, NCCI or this guideline, but when they deny, it's obvious that they didn't. So it's something we have to constantly investigate. Now, um, with your practice, I know when I was doing orthopedics, you know, full time, um, we I would say probably 60 to 65 percent of the practice was workers comp. Yeah. Um, we would get all of the workers comp cases, it felt like, from the, so we had, we had case workers coming in the office with patients constantly. How, with your practice, what percentage of your practice do you think is work comp? I would say at least 60%. Okay, yeah. Quite a few. And because we're on call for three hospitals now, and they've just put up two, um, what they call pop-up ERs. Um, even though we're not supposed to get those for our region, which is like Auburn, Kent, um, we still get them. And it's because we can get them in quicker and we know the rules. Um, we know how to get the claims through and processed. If it's a fracture, they obviously need it to be treated immediately. It's not something you can wait for. Right. Um, so we've kind of been training other offices, too, to know the things that are urgent, um, nerve damage, fractures, and other things that can wait, like a low back sprain is something that, yeah, you could wait for approval from the claim to be open. But there's certain circumstances where you really can't. You just have to treat them and then deal with it on the back end. Gotcha. Yeah. And then those are things just to be aware, you know, like it's always about education. The patient yeah. is the priority. But 
on the flip end, you have those that are concerned about the financial ramifications. So as long as you're, you're understanding of that and the patient's aware and everyone is understanding of what is going to happen, um, that's, that's what's important. Um, now, when it comes to the actual process of understanding workers' comp, yes. I'm all about whenever I'm trying to figure out why something isn't getting paid, I want to get organized. I want to know everything I can. Like you said, you trying to learn all you can about it. Um, organization is key when you're trying to understand something. So what are some tips that you can can think of um, to offer to get organized when you're gathering information, for instance? What information is important that you need to have when you're taking a workers' comp insurance? So one thing that we do for our front desk, we have kind of a cheat sheet. Um, so and in our state, we have our state workers' comp. And then we also have employers that go through what they call a self-insured workers' comp. So we not only have to figure out, one, does it belong to the state, or two, does it belong to a self-insured company? Um, so our state has a really robust website where we can actually find the ones that are self-insured. Um, sometimes that does get mixed up and they fill out the wrong paperwork to open the claim, or we get a patient whose claim was supposed to happen, but the ER didn't fax in the paperwork on time. So knowing if it's state workers comp or self-insured workers comp, um, knowing how to navigate the LNI website and knowing that your self-insured employers um, have to follow the state guidelines. They can't pick and choose their own. Mm -hmm. And then really giving those tools to the office staff, to your front desk, to your phone triage people, to your billers, to your coders. Um, and then we also keep a local file of the guidelines and we update those um, for surgeries for they have one for back pain um, wrist pain ulnar neuritis crps things like that so just really organizing the guidelines making sure you know paperwork what you can bill because that's a lot that people miss out on is billing for paperwork that your doctors took time to fill out um, and just coming up with processes and things to put in place to where all the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed as much as possible. Um, and then if it is a claim we're not sure about, we get a private insurance as a backup. And then that way, if the claim's rejected or denied, we have that backup insurance and there's not that much of a financial burden on the patient. Absolutely. That's really good explanation, you know. And I know a lot of EMRs, um, you know, when you schedule the patient and you're putting, or the practice management software, most of them have that option where, it, you tell it it's work comp and it, it gives you those pieces of information that you need. Um, having good communication with the caseworker, I know, was something that we really needed to have and having a good understanding of what they would cover, and what they wouldn't cover so that we could relay that to the physician and the staff that's treating the patient so that we could have good communication so that they're not scheduling and ordering things that we don't have approval for. Right. Another big thing that we've actually run into with our pain patients is our state workers comp doesn't cover spine cord stimulators. Mm -hmm. So we had to figure out a process. If there's a patient that needs this, but it's a workers comp injury, how do we get them the treatment they needed if it's not covered by their workers comp? Um, so basically, we get the private insurance. We get it approved through them. We bill the workers' comp for the denial, and then we're able to send it to the private insurance with a copy of the denial and the guidelines stating it's not something that's covered by the state. And okay. then the private insurance will step up and the patient gets the treatment that they need. 
That's excellent. Um, good point to, to bring out for those maybe in your clinic, if you're having issues um, with that, it's a, that's a good point to think about. Um, so, you know, a lot of in intricacies with workers' comp. Um, we're going to put some helpful information um, in our show notes um, for those resources to go to. But again, always check with your state, uh, check with those those guidelines, especially, you know, like it mentioned. So those private workers' comp companies, they still have to follow those guidelines. So the more you know about them, uh, exactly. the more of a of a resource you can be and you can go back and say, OK, this is what the guidelines state. Can you review this? You know, we go we talk to them in a way where we explain what we know and you know compared to the information they're receiving this is what we see the guidelines show can you review you know when we're appealing something like that um and also don't be afraid to let them know that you know your stuff yeah because that's what they're looking for is for someone to slip up and say oh, okay we'll just write it off absolutely so many deny or write-offs happen because we don't know all that we need to know to go forward with maybe exactly. an appeal or or a reconsideration and we think okay we just have to let it go there's nothing we can do but if if there is something you can do why not find out and be proactive and know ahead of time what your options are so if this happens i know i'm going to have this um this course of action or if this happens i know i can i can do this so proactive is so much better than reactive yeah we live by the worst they can do is tell you no absolutely yeah at least you've done all that you can do on your end. You can go to your provider, you know, your financial officer, uh, whoever manages the practice and say, hey, I've done all of the steps I can. I've done the legwork. I've done the research. We're now at a point where we we are at a standstill. We can't do anything about it. But maybe you can learn from that experience and maybe have a plan of action so that doesn't happen again. Make exactly. a process update, right? So that's a good, I think, a good explanation of some of the things to keep in mind for workers' comp. But again, it's so intricate. There's so many things to keep in mind. But just knowing that you need to be aware of the guidelines, you need to gather the right information and have good communication, I think, is a good um, yes. summary, right? And um, get in touch with the yeah. bill payers as well. They're going to be a good resource for you because there's sometimes when claims managers say, oh, I'm not approving this. Mm -hmm. But really, it's for the treatment of the patient and your bill payers and your medical directors will help you fight that. Absolutely. So use the resources you have and know your resources so you can be effective. Absolutely. Exactly. Now, another area where we find challenges in getting paid and all the intricacies is our government payers such as TRICARE, right? So yes. I wanted to kind of talk about that a little bit. I remember when I first started in orthopedics, we saw so many TriWest patients. Um, and back then it was before Optum got involved. Um, and so it was just so difficult to, um, and like I had to learn in my EMR, or my billing software, the differences, like when I got a referral, you know, I was new back then and I was like, is this TriWest or is this traditional VA? Like, how do I how do I know um, who to bill? And then the claim addresses, figuring that out. Um, when you work in an office and you're doing this, um, sometimes you're the coder, you're the biller, you're the prior auth person, which is what I was. Exactly. You know, I did. I was the checkout girl, too. I did. I had all those hats. So I had to be constantly on my toes to make sure I had every single piece in line. And that I understood the intricacies of these these insurances. So from what I understand, of course, we have TRICARE standard, we have Prime, TRICARE for Life, um, we have CHAMP VA, and then the VA Choice or TriWest we may come across, which is, of course, now um, under the Optum um, program. So that's now that we see 
who we bill to, right? Yes. And so if you have issues getting paid, maybe just all, one of the things I always recommend is making sure you, you're building the right address. <laughs> Sometimes right. these EMRs or these PM softwares, they it's just something as simple as the address has changed, or maybe you didn't notice and, and tell your, your software that you need to now build this claim somewhere else. Maybe a different payer ID is now in place. Things change constantly. And so if we're not up to date on changes from the payer, we could be billing the same address over and over again incorrectly, getting denied, and not realizing that it's just a simple fix. It's not getting to the right place. Exactly. And another thing, too, is, you know, training and giving your front desk and your registration people your we have uh, triage MAs that sometimes register, um, knowing that you don't just pick the first address that you see that pops up in the system. Like right. You have to you have to really pay attention to which one it is, especially when it comes to the TRICARE plans and which ones want the DOD number, or which ones want the Social Security number, because that is a mess as well. Absolutely, because I noticed whenever I was working denials, um, I would help with coding denials, but I would also help with like some of the easy fixes and the payers, some of the traditional billing denials on the front end where it just wasn't getting to them or it was just rejecting. And one thing I didn't notice is they were billing traditional VA and not TriWest. They didn't look into the chart. There was actually an up, upload in the chart, the re actual referral, and it actually had a specific ID number that was specific to that TriWest patient, uh, where maybe the traditional VA, they wanted the social security number, but this TriWest company or this particular payer, they wanted a specific ID number they've given the patient. Yes. And oh my goodness, I can't even tell you that I, I think back about all of my issues with TriWest and I I was thinking about this last night when I was preparing for this episode that all of the, the stuff I had to go through and um, all these simple errors that can be avoided by good organization. And it's just so, for this one insurance. Imagine all the things you have to jump through for everybody else. Um, so I've actually given Jennifer a really good breakdown that one of my billers, I, we kind of put her in charge of being the TRICARE expert and she has it down to a T. So I actually had her type out a really good breakdown of TRICARE standard versus prime versus for life um, versus Champus VA. And then also they like to throw in the uniform services family health plan, which mm -hmm. is a nightmare all in its own. Um, so Jennifer will definitely get that up in a document for anyone that wants to reference it. But I thought it was a really good tool and we've actually given it to all our new employees and it's really seemed to help them kind of navigate these waters. Absolutely. And then when I was going through my helping practices, do their credentialing. Another thing that I remember as well, and of course also from billing, is that remember that some of the TRICARES actually go under Humana. So you have to know, you know, make your life easier too. Like I feel like there's some practices I've run into that still use the paper thing. Yes. And still do phone calls and do all this stuff. It wastes so much time. There are websites out there, guys. There's yeah. electronic, fast ways to get your authorizations through, to communicate on bills and claims, denials, resubmit claims through these portals. Get to know. Um, so if you don't have a login for Humana TRICARE or Optum for the, for the uh, TriWest, or if you don't have a login for CAQH or um, HealthNet, or health net, yeah, all these other really quick, fast ways to get things done. The practice we took over to um, clean up their billing a couple years ago, the previous office manager, they told me she was doing everything by phone call, like yeah. everything manually. 
And I'm like, no wonder she was so behind, but yeah. this is how things happen. Like, you know, we're having a change in, in our, in our society where it, things are going electronic and I'm a firm believer, you know, I work for a company now who's big, we develop software. So that's where our brains are. We are moving ahead with technology because that's yeah. the future of healthcare. Exactly. That's where it's heading. So we have to get on the bus um, if we're going to continue moving forward with this, this new world we're headed into that we've been in for a while technology yeah. is our friend and it can help us streamline things we're still going to need coders like you and me um, to be the brains behind the operation the subject matter experts that tell the software what to do right but having the correct software led by subject matter experts that's going to yeah. help uh, streamline these processes so we can focus on the data we can focus on documentation and these other tasks can be uh, help us be more efficient if we have the right software, right? Yes. And we live chat is a new thing that insurance companies love to use. Yeah. And like I just did it with Picos the other day. I was trying to get a provider credentialed in Arizona for a new clinic we're starting out there. And I was like, I don't want to spend 20 minutes on the phone on hold. And you can do a live chat option now. Use your live chats. They will email you the chat so you still have your documentation if that's what you're stuck on. Um, change is scary for all of us, but we have to do it. Absolutely. Um, you know, and it's nothing new for us when we deal with these payers. We know that when it comes to insurance and, you know, I know as, an, as a physician, you know, you're trying to take care of the patient. So stopping what you're doing and waiting for a referral or waiting for an authorization can be, you know, frustrating. Um, but the quicker we understand that when a patient has this type of uh, insurance, this is what we have to we have to deal with it. So exactly. we have to go into it knowing that this is what we have to deal with. So get your referrals in line, you know, make sure you have everything authorized if the patient has VA, um, if you're going to accept that insurance, you know, you want to make sure you have all those pieces in mind. You know, the, the referrals are very clear, those, I mean, those authorizations. So when you get yeah. that printout emailed to you or faxed to you, read it in its entirety. Be very meticulous. Yes. If you miss any word on there, it could jeopardize the, the approval or the payment for that claim. Um, make sure you read it, the fine print, everything there. You know exactly what procedure codes they're covering, range of codes they're covering, and the dates are so important, guys. Yes. I can't even tell you how many times we've had to write things off because we didn't pay attention to the dates. It was and, one after. <laughs> yep, it's just like, you know, it was a free service. <laughs> yeah. we just offered. And two, I've noticed, you know, my providers now feel comfortable enough where they'll come to me and they'll say, and this is part of the reason why I like being in the office a couple days a week is they just come back and they're like, hey, Jess, I have this patient. Can I do this? And my answer is like, yeah, I'll get it approved. If it's something that I know it's going to take a while, I'll say, you know, if it's not emergent, we should probably wait till the next visit. But just having that communication with your providers, if you're able to, um, so that they can trust that they can treat the patient and that you're doing what you are doing on your end to make sure that they get paid for that. Absolutely. And I just I would tell you guys, you know, she mentioned earlier this document that her staff has put together and I'm telling you, it's so amazing. So I cannot wait to share it with you guys. It's all about, you know, helping each other. So I have so many practices that I talk to and they have great people on their staff that are just really organized like yourself that have these documents that are so helpful. I know I remember when you put together your orthopedic uh, printout for yes. e guidelines. It was like so amazing. And 
and now I have people coming to me like wanting a copy of it. And so it's just like we need to help each other and and give resources out and, and share those resources so we can all be efficient. We want the industry to have success. We want our no matter where we are. Um, I may never meet a doctor in Ohio or Kentucky, right. but I want I want them to be just as successful as the docs that I work with here locally. Um, I want all the patients to have the care they need and to have the resources they need in order to be healthy. And we can't keep providing services unless we're getting paid, right? Right. And we need to make sure that the insurance companies know that they're not the ones directing the patient's treatment. That's what the providers are doing. They're there to make sure the guidelines and policies are followed. So if you run into an issue where an insurance company is telling you, oh, this isn't medically necessary, well, we wouldn't be asking for it if a patient really didn't need it. You know, so make sure that you fight back with them with their own policies and guidelines as well. It, it takes a village. It really does. Absolutely. And, you know, we could talk all day, right, about yeah. <laughs> revenue cycle, appeals, denials, balance billing, right? There's just right. so many <laughs> levels to revenue. You know, it starts at the very top all the way to down to the person taking the data from the patient at the window. Like there's everyone has a role. And if you listen Every to last week's episode, on the bus. everyone has, has, a, has an area that they need to focus on. But as a team, we all come together and our goal is what? To get paid. Exactly. <laughs> to make sure that we can keep offering these services. Now, another area um, that we'll talk about lastly here is auto claims. Oh, and yeah. I know like when I go in to register a patient, I have these options and you know, it's asking me, of course, is this visit related to an auto accident? Is it related to workers comp? I have to, is it related to uh, something else? And I have yeah. to click the little box and tell them what it's related to. Then another box pops up and has me enter information. So I know from my experience in orthopedics, you probably deal with this every day or maybe often. Um, you have to deal with patients that come in because of an auto accident. Yes. So personally, in your office and what your experience is, how does your clinic handle billing auto claims? What do you choose to do about that? So we are a no-fault state. So we, our patients have, uh, usually if you have an automobile, you, you are going to get insurance that has what we call PIP insurance, uh, personal injury protection. So when you're in an accident and you're hurt, that's the insurance that you use to treat those injuries. Some people don't have that. They just have liability. So then they're kind of stuck with an injury. It's not my fault. Why should I have to pay? Right. Um, so we've kind of put a policy in place. We don't accept um, lien claims just because those claims could go five or six years and then yeah. you're waiting 10 years. So we don't do liens at all. Unfortunately, we send those patients to a hospital group that has the capacity to carry that debt for that long. Right. Um, what we will do is if they have a private insurance and they don't have their personal injury protection, we'll have them call their insurance company and set up what we call a subrogation claim, where they basically let their private insurance know, hey, I wasn't in an accident, it wasn't my fault, or it was my fault. Um, I have these injuries, there will be a settlement later on, but I need my private insurance to take care of it. Once they do that, their Primera or their Regents or Aetna will pay it. And then at the end of the claim, the private insurance and the auto insurance fight it out. Then the provider's paid and out of it, and it's just between the insurance companies. If a patient doesn't have private insurance, that's where it gets a little bit trickier. 
um, and they become what they call self-pay patient, where we give them the discounted rate for no insurance, um, and then they pay that for each visit. Um, we also use care credit a lot for those patients because some of them don't have, if they get an accident and they get an ACL tear from hitting the dashboard, they don't have 10 grand to fork out for a surgery. Um, right. So it's all about putting policies in place and know too that if they do have a claim that you can bill, um, make sure you're calling to make sure that they pay the claims at date of submission and then follow up on those claims. We fax all of ours in and then follow up at two weeks because auto insurance claims in the state of Washington are required to pay you 100% of your bill charges. So that's where a lot of your big money is gonna come from. And then once the PIP exhausts, some people have $10,000, some people have 30, then you can take that exhaust letter and bill the patient's private insurance and it's the segregation thing again. And at the end of the claim, the insurance companies fight it out and the provider and patient are done. Right. Okay. Well, that makes that makes total sense and such a great overview. Thank you, Jessica. That's so helpful because I think that you know I've seen you know questions out there on social media and different questions I've received at our conferences um, yeah. about billing and it's something that we like for liability reasons. We don't like to just you know this is what you should do. Exactly. You know, we give you the facts. We let you know what was work for us. Um, challenges we faced. And so we're not telling you, like our disclaimer always is, this is not to be taken exactly. as legal or professional advice. We're giving you where you can go for information. So check your local states, understand the ins and outs. And there is a great APC blog from a few years ago, I'm going to put on my show notes as well, that kind of breaks down the different types of insurance we see. Um, and if there's any other, you know, references that we have, we will, of course, always share those with you uh, to give you the resources. We want you to go to the right places. Of course, we don't do the work for you, obviously. We no. give you the, the resources and you you have that place to go to make an informed decision is what it's all about, right? Another good uh, resource for people in other states to use, too, is if you work with attorneys, like we all have attorneys that represent patients some of them will give you kind of the ins and outs of how the state works with these claims as well and that's a good place to start and some patients have attorneys that will pay um, for their claims at time of submission and then it comes out of the settlement at the end so you don't really know unless you ask um, so there's really no stupid question except the one that's not asked absolutely <laughs> i totally agree with that statement yeah. that's amazing absolutely so, well, Jessica, it's been such a pleasure uh, talking to you today, and I am just just absolutely ecstatic about our upcoming conference yes. in July. I'm super excited. So before we go, I'm going to do a quick rundown of some of the topics that we're going to discuss at our orthopedic conference, and this is OrthoCare Summit 2022. So we are still, of course, we have out there, we've submitted and we've sent it out in an email all of the requests that we have for topics from presenters. So if you're a presenter and you speak on orthopedics or you are a public speaker and you want to you want to help us out, um, it's out there. Reach out to us. We'll also put the application in our show notes. We are looking for more speakers, but we have, of course, ICD-10-CM guidelines, documentation for 2021 E&M for orthopedics. Um, I am going to be on there to talk about PCS. I know some of you inpatient coders out there. You definitely need you need some extra education to refresh your minds on documentation for the hospital coding. We have some updated guidelines this year on fracture care, 
We're going to talk about that. Um, we definitely are going to talk about the arthroscopies, uh, total joints, um, the spine. I, I know last year, right, we had a spine. <laughs> yes. We had so many questions, and we have listened to y'all, and we are going to do a two-hour presentation. I'm coming at you with everything spine. So it's a two-hour presentation, so, so get ready for that. Uh, podiatry, of course. Jessica and I are both proficient yes. in, in podiatry, so we'll be handling that. Um, Jessica is our hand and wrist expert, so she's going to speak to us on the hand and wrist, pain management as well as her area, and we might even get her to do ASC billing, who knows, because of her experience. I can with definitely AS. do it, yes. We might be able to twist her arm a little bit, I don't Maybe. know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we have a, a lawyer coming in to talk about the no surprise billing, so I'm really excited to have you meet her, get to know her and her knowledge. Really great, great speaker that we heard at Decision Health in Orlando. Amazing. Again, I, of course, when I was there, I spoke on office procedures, injections, and we brought in the modifier 25. Guys, I'm not going away. I'm going to still come at you with the modifier 25. Uh, I have a new presentation that I'm, I'm submitting to all the um, AAPC chapters on know your E&M only modifiers. Yeah. Modifier 25 is one of them. So I'm, I'm like a broken record. I'm going to keep coming at you with modifier 25 until it's well established and people understand how to properly interpret it. Exactly. And like always, we have live giveaways, right? We have uh, we have our expert speakers. It's a way to connect virtually um, and stay safe in these times. Uh, maybe you can't afford to go to a conference in person and pay for travel and all that, but you can attend from your living room and you can have access all year long. Uh, yeah, listen that's perfect. The and the price that you're paying for the CEUs you're getting that alone, I can't say how valuable it is. Absolutely. You know, it's a two-day event um, this time, so it's going to be so amazing to hear from all these speakers and, and have all this content all year round. Um, we're going to give you all the information that you that we think you're going to need to be successful in the orthopedic world. Um, this is this is a conference I look forward to putting on every year because this is my world. This is what I know the best. I'm, I've been in orthopedics so long, it's like I breathe it. <laughs> so I just... <laughs> I love orthopedics. So um, we're hoping that um, if you are in an orthopedic practice as a coder or a biller, maybe you're just in registration, but you want to learn more, talk to your employer. Tell them, hey, this is a great opportunity for me to attend um, or for our whole staff to attend a virtual conference. And we can have access to the resources all year long um, for times when we need additional guidance. Great way to network with other, other practices. And we are accepting sponsors. So if yeah. your practice wants to sponsor the event and have information in our in our um, on our website about your practice or your company, you, if you're a vendor for orthopedics, we want to invite you to sponsor or be a virtual exhibitor uh, at our conference. We'd love to give you the opportunity to share what you do uh, and what you offer to the orthopedic community. So let us know. Uh, we're excited to to launch this this conference. Well, yeah. thank you, Jessica. And, and just so our listeners know, if they ever need, uh, you know, your expert guidance in orthopedics yeah. or billing, um, where can they find you? Um, go ahead and shoot me an email. Um, J-E-S as in Sam, S as in Sam, Y-K-A-0176 at gmail.com. Um, or you can find me on LinkedIn, Jessica Burke. Um, I have tons of people that reach out and we kind of work together, you know, here's the op note I have. Can you give me your opinion? So feel free to reach out. It's really, I love doing it. So. Excellent. Well, I will put her 
information in our show notes. You can contact her. But thank you, Jessica, for joining. And we look forward to seeing you at our next conference later this year. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining the Life as a Coder podcast. Please feel free to rate or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We appreciate that effort. It helps us share the show with other healthcare professionals just like you. Join us next Wednesday for another episode. We'll catch you then.